Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Professor Fanning, can you just tell us what do you think normal life is going to look like when we have that percentage of the population vaccinated? I suppose the first thing to kind of unpick really is uh, 80% of adults still means that there's an awful lot of the population unvaccinated. Um, You know, those individuals under 16. um, Mm. And uh, that, as we've seen already, um, there's been considerable debate uh, on the indoor dining as to whether to allow unvaccinated under 18-year-olds. And that's only kind of the... I suppose the tip of the iceberg with regard to the discussion on what society will be like when we have a large percentage of the um, adult population because we'll have so many of uh, the population unvaccinated. So we'll still be dealing with uh, concerns around COVID-19 infection. And I suppose one of the discussions that will come out is the vaccination of individuals under 16 years of age. That's something that will be a feature of the next couple of weeks, definitely. Um, and DMA has approved uh, both mRNA vaccines for uh, 12 to 15 year olds. So um, we'll have we'll be approaching the new school year and the new academic year for the uh, universities. So I suppose uh, the first impact will be uh, as to whether we have the 12 to 15 year olds on a vaccination schedule at that stage. If we do, um, then uh, and as soon as they're all vaccinated, you know we have largely protected the entire secondary school population and above because the university students will have had an opportunity to um, uh, receive a vaccine as well. And uh, those individuals who work, uh, you know, between, who are between 16 and 30 will all be vaccinated as well. So mm. from a work perspective, you know, there will be very big changes uh, in the immunity of our workforce. Uh, we'll be largely protected as a workforce um, from the serious consequences of COVID-19. So that leads to, you know, kind of more capacity to have an adult-only socialising event where everybody is likely to be vaccinated. Um, So do you think a lot of people might be able to return to their office from like September, October onwards? Oh, I do. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, the um, the opportunities for anyone to receive a vaccine have, uh, you know, excelled over the last couple of months and exceeded. Um, We haven't quite reached our 80% of adults vaccinated in June. That was obviously shifted to 80% of adults vaccinated by the end of August. And that, you know, that includes a very large majority of individuals who are within the workforce. And yes, they should be able to return to the office. Now, it will lead to some... Um, I'd say some interesting discussions um, about uh, who declares whether they've been vaccinated or not because, um, you know, work protocols um, will have to take account of health and safety and GDPR and we will have a very, I think, interesting discussion as to whether GDPR trumps health and safety uh, with respect to a colleague's right to know whether individuals are or are not vaccinated mm. because we've seen, um, you know, several... Um, 
points made by world leaders that you know the unvaccinated represent uh, a kind of um, a, a reservoir for this infection uh, to, to largely kind of stay uh, within the population as an endemic disease. And um, the same applies at work as to whether, you know, uh, work colleagues and employers will have the capacity to know whether somebody is vaccinated or not unvaccinated. Clearly, if everybody's vaccinated in the work environment, you're, you, you know, you, you have a different risk profile uh, if, if you're dealing with that compared to a mixed vaccinated population. Um, and those individuals who um, are unvaccinated would would clearly represent um, a greater risk than uh, to others than those that are vaccinated. You know, we'll have this. So, so this is that's one thing that is going to come sharply into mm. focus uh, when we come back, both from an academic school perspective and from a workforce perspective. Um, and I suppose questions as well in anything that where, where individuals are engaging with other individuals. This dichotomy between some people wanting to declare they're vaccinated and some just not saying. Mm. And in the, in, in the you know, I suppose if somebody is not saying that they're vaccinated, it might be prudent from a health and safety perspective to presume rightly or wrongly that they are unvaccinated. You know, I mean, this is health, private health information. Individuals, you know, keep this very close to their chest and don't often share their health details with uh, friends, colleagues, never mind employers. So I think it's it's going to be, that's going to be a feature of life coming on, I imagine, that, um, or at least I hope there are discussions in in uh, all the workforces around the country as to what's going to what's going to be the lie of the land with respect to having a mixed vaccinated or unvaccinated population. That's one aspect of it. Um, and Professor in, Fanning, what about mask wearing? Do you think that that will become optional in time? I do. And when do you think that will be? Oh, so uh, <laughs> this is uh, so well at the outset of your your our discussion. You mentioned eighty percent of the adult population. Uh, vaccinated, we will need to start turning this conversation around to what percentage of the total population are vaccinated. And and the reason for that is that in order to kind of have our nation as uh, protected from an immunological perspective as much as possible, we need as many individuals within our nation vaccinated. And that means, you know, the 12 to 15 year olds, and we need to have um, a very good public health education message as to the values for parents and guardians to make a decision as to the 5 to 11 year olds then. Um, and have that, you know, have an informed discussion um, as to why it's of value um, and to fully understand um, that these modern medicines um, on on rare occasions um, can have complications, but so too can picking up COVID-19, even in children who, and, you know, uh, you'll have heard from myself and colleagues that, you know, most individuals who are in that age category, we'll say 5 to 16, Mm -hmm. can largely handle this infection with very, very little complications, but there are the few individuals and there are some children who are vulnerable, who have other conditions, you know, they may have leukemias or cancers or they may have some other condition that makes them vulnerable to picking up infections. You know, so, um, you know, no group is a clear kind of um, single single entity. You know, you'll have individuals, as I said, who are sicker than others, who are fitter than others, and then you'll have the individuals who get this infection. And it's a complete surprise. Um, that uh, it has, uh, you know, consequences uh, for them for their for their ongoing health. So we have a very interesting few months from an immunological and a virological perspective coming up. But definitely discussions around childhood vaccination of uh, against uh, COVID nineteen um, uh, need to be front and centre and need to be happening fairly soon. I know there's so many fronts going on on the vaccination front. We'll have the booster discussion coming up soon. That's another thing that's going to be a feature of the next couple of months as well. Because remember, some individuals are vaccinated at the very end of December and January. Mm. And by the time we come to September, they'll be, you know, heading to nine months post-vaccination. 
Um, and, you know, because vaccines are a, a new medicine um, in our fight against COVID-19, we haven't got the clearest of understanding as to how long immunity lasts. Um, and, um, you know, it is unlikely to disappear um, and to be uh, totally ineffective. Um, and this is where the discussion around boosters becomes a feature of our, um, we we'll say, national life for the next couple of uh, weeks and months. Um, and I think we will see boosters coming on um, stream sometime soon. Uh, it's up to NIAC to make that decision as to, as to when that will actually happen. But that's another discussion for workforces as well. Yeah. You know, um, you know who goes for them and when they go for them. And you know, that will happen over the next couple of months. So that won't be an immediate thing. I imagine it will be a rolling. So if you are vaccinated in January, we'll say you might be get your boost in September and then they roll kind of, you know, February into October and so on, that kind of way. And Professor Fanning, what does herd immunity look like? It's not just a simple number like 90% of the population, is it? No, it's not, no. Um, and uh, it has been, you know, it is a term used in immunology and it is a term correctly used when you have a proportion of a population which would basically prevent an infected individual passing it on to another susceptible individual. Mm. And so what you end up having is this buffer of uh, less susceptible or immune individuals around an infected individual. And if you like, the virus can't jump into another zone where there's another uninfected individual. So we have these barriers. Now, as we know, people who are vaccinated can pick up uh, COVID-19 again. And we've seen with the mRNA vaccines that that's probably, you know, 90% are protected against getting reinfected. And with the AstraZeneca and the J&J, it's in around the 60, 65% are protected against reinfection. So, you know, we have this, um, we'll have this herd immunity will kick in, in that it will, when we reach whatever figure, that magical figure that is, because remember also we have a group of individuals who are immune as a result of infection. So, you know, uh, the, the numbers actually immune are probably a little bit larger than those that actually are quoted with regard to the immune as a result of double vaccination. Um, and from a population perspective, we're certainly probably approaching 60-65% um, of the total population. Um, you know, close to f- uh, full immunity because I think the latest figure is that we are north of 83 or 82% for having received one shot. Um, so, you know, as a nation, uh, we are very much doing the best we can to get towards this this magical uh, notion of um, herd immunity. We will, we, you know, uh, COVID-19 will stay what's called an endemic virus for a while. Mm. In other words, it'll be kind of, you know, it'll be there in the background amongst largely the unvaccinated individuals. And this is why it's so important we get as many of the adult population vaccinated as possible and why we start moving to the 12 to, six, to, to 15 year olds. Um, and then they're only, you know, they'll be the mRNA vaccines they'll be getting. And then we have that discussion then with the 5 to 11 year olds because we're going to be coming into a flu season. Or we didn't have much of one last year, but the ordinary kind of head colds, you know, the kind of snotty noses and all mm. that kind of thing as a result of running temperatures. And what you want to do for, with childhood vaccination with COVID is to take that out of the picture so that, you know, um, you know, you know, we don't have a cohort of individuals who are thinking that they are susceptible to the serious consequences of COVID-19 infection. Um, um, you know, so that's where the vaccinate, childhood vaccination against COVID-19 also comes into it. The language around, you know, the 5 to 11-year-olds is different to the 12 to 16-year-olds. You can bring 12 to 16-year-olds into the conversation with you. You know, they're nearly adults. You know, at this and at 16, so you can sign for your own medical consent for most things. The 5 to 11-year-olds are totally under parental and guardian, uh, guardianship control. Or not control, but, you know, guidance and, 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 and minding. So, um, it, you know, that's why we need a very clear and early public health message as to the value 
and to fully inform your parents and guardians as to maybe the potential risks um, on a population-wide level um, for using these vaccines. Yeah, because I suppose, like uh, Professor Fanning, if a young person with, for example, cystic fibrosis is not really protected, then if they mix with young people who are all unvaccinated, really? Yes, even if they are vaccinated, they, you know, they're, they're, they're more at risk of being challenged by somebody who has, you know, who has virus and is shedding that virus. So, you know... Um, we have largely kind of done um, exceptionally well with regard to our vaccinations. Now, I would have some, you know, some some alternative ideas about the way the age-related vaccination was rolled out. But nonetheless, we are where we are in the situation where you know anybody who's over eighteen now and sixteen, I think, and seventeen-year-olds tomorrow, um, you know, so. Look, yes, to protect those most vulnerable. And they could be anybody, you you know, you don't even know necessarily that you're protecting them by being vaccinated, you know, because, not, as I said, not everybody declares their, their underlying health conditions. And that applies to children as well, you know, um, and, and creches. And, you know, they're all more protective the more vaccinated our population is. And that includes, you know, um, 5 to 11-year-olds. And at some point we'll have a discussion less than 5-year-olds, but we're not there yet. Professor Liam Fanning, a listener has been in touch with us here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM and this says, how can this be called a vaccine when you can still get the disease with it? Doesn't that fly in the face of everything we know about vaccines? This is just an experiment which may have a good outcome or may not, but I'm going to wait. What would you say to that person? Okay, well, the first thing is it's, it's, it's each individual's free choice to take this vaccine or not. and that, So that's, that's the first thing. Yeah. You know, these vaccines are not compulsory. Um, so that's the first thing. Everybody has a free choice and everybody uh, chooses to get their information from wherever portals they want, be it radio, television, the Internet, whatever, you know, the European Medicines Agency or whatever. These vaccines have gone through very rigorous, you know, uh, trials. I know they appear to have come out, uh, come out re- relatively quickly from the identification of COVID-19. But this is based on years and years of science. And the clinical trials that were, that were done um, were done, you know, with very high degree of rigor. And, you know, the EMA as a, an August agency for approving medicines on behalf of us, and then we nationally approve them secondarily then, um, have looked at all the data. And, you know, like with any medicine, there are risks. This is not um, a big experiment. Um, the clinical trials deal with the experimental protocols and how much we're going to use of these vaccines. And then what is determined is, the, you know, they are not used if they don't come up to a particular threshold. And each of the vaccines that are currently licensed in our, for use in Ireland have exceeded um, the expectations with respect to protection from hospital and protection from the consequences of uh, serious consequences of infection. And that's key. So, you know, individuals do get infected after vaccination, but the vaccines are not designed to give you what's called sterilizing immunity. In other words, you'll never get infected again. When you get infected again, if you're vaccinated, you're preloaded with immune molecules which protect you and help protect you. And um, the evidence for that is individuals who are vaccinated are less likely to end up in hospital, are less likely to die. There's one very good piece of uh, evidence on this. In Texas, they looked at, they had 9,000 COVID-19 deaths since February of this year. So in other words, since the start of vaccination. And every one of them, except for 43, were unvaccinated. In other words, 99.5% of the COVID-related deaths were in the unvaccinated individuals. Now, they have much larger numbers than we could ever hope, you know, we don't want to achieve those numbers in Ireland. Mm. But that gives you the sense of the protection that these vaccines give vaccinated individuals even though they may become reinfected um, and you know even in the United Kingdom where they had um, they looked at their data and they looked at 25 children who died as a result or with COVID-19 and you know half them had underlying serious conditions so you know these vaccines give wonderful protection 
against the serious consequences of infection, hospitalisation and death. Um, and, you know, the EMA and our own NIAC and NEFRD and the government would not be taking on board, you know, uh, the use of these medicines if, they were, if the benefits didn't outweigh the risks. Professor Liam Fanning, Immunovirology at UCC, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.